And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast. It's Thursday, the 9th of March. Uh, I've been away. I've been in Toronto. So uh, you've missed me for a little while, uh, but I've been busy running around Toronto doing mining deals. I'm not really thinking about tech and transitional energy. Uh, but Phil, you'll be up to speed, won't you? <laughs> of course I am, Andrew. I'm delighted to have you back. Uh, you always miss me. And I'm afraid next week I'll be in Dubai. Uh, but I might attempt to do it from Dubai. There's a lot of lot of things going on at the moment. These are very busy markets, but they're also markets where it's quite tricky to get anything done because one of the things we're seeing in the press and that I have a real beer in my bonnet about, listeners to this haven't actually regularly heard me rant about it, but is the fact that there is so little money at the moment in this country going into UK equities. The pension funds, which um, actually, if you go back to the 1960s, which some of you may remember, maybe not, uh, used to all be in bonds, basically. And then it was led actually by Imperial, Imperial Tobacco. They had a pension fund down in Bristol, and the fund manager had this concept of actually switching out of bonds into equities. And, of course, during the um, 80s and 90s, equities were the place to be, and it was really good. And equity positions at pension funds got up to about sort of 40, almost heading towards 50% um, in terms of a mix between equities and bonds. Sadly, that number of 40% now has collapsed to about 4%. And in UK equities, it's only about 2%. This is just so outrageous. Now, it's happened because of regulation with defined benefit schemes and things like that. It's also happened because basically this government, uh, as Boris Johnson once said, F business. Uh, There has been no attempt whatsoever to get money back into the stock market. Yet they're completely missing the point that if you put money into equities, it's putting money into companies, which then stimulates the economy and gives you faster growth and more tax receipts and a healthier economy. It also, people forget, you know, the reason the British Empire was able to occur was quite simple. We were the first country to have a stock exchange. It was all done in Jonathan's bar then, the coffee shop. And uh, but that is how the British Empire was formed around the fact that we had a stock exchange nobody else did. It really is time that government, the UK government, and I think Rishi Sunak is actually trying quite hard and getting a few things done. I'm afraid he's probably going to be the best prime minister we ever lost because he's sadly it's likely to lose the next general election. But he's actually doing some of the right things. And if only he would just turn his attention to the equity markets for a while and sort them out. After all, he is an ex-investment banker, having been at Goldman Sachs. Um, but we need, we really, really need more pools of capital in London to stimulate things. Wouldn't you agree, Phil? Yes. Huh. Period. I came out, I came into this business out of industry because I kept meeting tech companies that couldn't get funding, and now we're here struggling again. So. And on top of that, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which was a brilliant move by Biden, and is sending businesses to America, um, has has been brilliant. The EU, we know. Are, from the Green Wars don't like it, and the UK needs to wake up too. Now, there is just one point I also wanted to mention. Whilst I was away, there was a lot of noise about the fact that ARM was going to float on NASDAQ and not on the LSE. Some people were blaming regulation. I even saw somebody ludicrously tweeting that it was due to Brexit, but that was just a a Ramona. Um, The reality is people forget. And I don't forget because I did it. But actually, when ARM initially floated, it floated on NASDAQ. And at that stage, we had less regulation. At that stage, we were still in Europe. It floated on NASDAQ. And later on, at Horgavet, I helped dual list it back into London. 
So actually, it's it's no different from what they did before. Um, and hopefully, they'll do the same this time. They'll list on NASDAQ and then dual list back into London. And if I had my way, we'd dual list on the Aquis market. But that's my way. There we are. And I, yeah, you were reminding me the other day about that arm listing in the US when you uh, when you acted on that, Andrew. I'd forgotten it was the States first time around. It was. And I can tell you they actually, I, I remember th at that stage, the FD was a guy called Jonathan Brooks. Lovely, lovely guy. And very talented. Uh, but I've got lunch with him fairly soon. That's uh, so I've got to say nice things, haven't I? Um, but uh, he hated the fact that he had to do quarterly reporting out there. just to drive him insane. Uh, for a business like Arm, quarterly reporting was just absurd. Um, but we all report too regularly, and you've got to have a much longer-term view. But there you go. That's that's another rant. We won't have that one just now. Uh, right, Phil. What um, we're all very very busy bees at the moment. Uh, what would you like to kick off on? Well, why don't we keep on the subject of tech and on investing and on a company that does invest in tech companies? That's IP Group, Andre. Ah, uh, yes, uh, I mean, I own these PA as well. Uh, the ticker is IPO. The market cap, <coughs> excuse me, is six hundred and six million pounds. But the relevant thing here is is that the you know the share price is fifty seven point five p. Now they've just reported their full year results. Uh, obviously, they have a lot of tech investments. Um, and they total up the value of those to get what's called the net asset value. Uh, and the net asset value they reported for the full year was uh, 1.34 billion. And bear in mind, their market cap is 606 million. So more than half of its actual reported net assets. Um, the company also reported a move from a 500 million gain in 21 into a 309 million loss in 22. Um, well, how does that happen? Uh, it's down to changing valuation of investments. And unfortunately for IP Group, it was uh, one of their main, uh, one of their big holdings, which is Oxford Nanopore Technologies. Um, and this was impacted by, you know, as, as they say, you know, it's revaluation against the stock markets and the fall that we'd seen last year in the tech markets in 22. But they know something I picked out of this was that their private portfolio company valuations remained robust with nine percent of portfolio funding rounds in 2022 taking place above or previous funding round valuations so uh, we've talked a lot about this andrew in terms of tech public valuations and tech private valuations so you know anyway they're, they're on a positive no more positive note for them they had to they close with gross cash of 240 million that's a bit down from 320 million but nonetheless it's there um, and means we're able to make investment and they've made some they did some realizations in the period on some of the investments about 28 million pounds so um you know just looking at it it's like yeah, it's trading at half its net asset value and at some stage these technology markets will be turning around we'll already see you know if you look at the philadelphia stock index of uh, semiconductor chip stocks that's been bouncing back very nicely over the last few months, and Nasdaq's recovering a bit. So at some stage, valuations will be coming back, and there's maybe one to look at given where it's got to. Look, obviously I own it, so I like it. I think it's ludicrously cheap. A 50% discount to NAV is just absurd. You know, these are companies that basically you can't get exposure to yourself because they're de unlisted, they're private companies. Oxford Nanopore obviously isn't that's listed now, but as a general rule. They're often quite early stage. Um, you know, you could argue it should be at a premium. I won't because I'll, I'll just get shot down in flames. But a 50% discount is completely wrong. You know, frankly, a 15% discount maybe would be fairer. That's 35% upside. Plus, I think they've got a really good portfolio of companies. 
this stock is just completely the wrong price in my view. There we are. Well, listen, moving on, but in the same space, uh, we had Oakley Capital uh, report, ticker's OCIO, it's 835 million market cap. Now this, Oakley Capital is a closed-end investment company, um, and primarily it's private equity funds, which means, you know, that they are they are geared uh, debt-wise. They focus on technology, consumer, and education. Um, and they reported, so market cap 835 million, share price 464p, uh, a NAV of uh, 662p, um, and a total NAV of 1.1 billion. Um, and they were saying that in their portfolio, they saw year-on-year EBITDA growth of 22% across the portfolio. Um, and they also made realizations of five realizations at five times gross money multiple, i.e. these are investments that they've now they've been holding and they've been able to sell on whatever. And, but they uh, they made realizations of 234 million, but with that uplift on the portfolio. And here is the difference. So this is a private equity fund. Um, and so the average net debt EBITDA ratio on a portfolio is 4.3 times. Um, and again, they've got, you know, like IP group, they've got cash available to invest for £210 million. So 464 p and a NAV of 662p. So again, that one trading on a discount. Why a discount? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, as you know, we look at quite a few of these funds, don't we? So we look at yeah. uh, Frontier, we look at Super C, and right. there's a few out there. I think they're all really interesting uh, plays uh, where investors can get exposure to things they wouldn't normally be able to get. So I think, all of them are actually really quite interesting. So that's just another one in that little group. Anyway, there we go. Right, keep going. TT uh, Electronics, TTG. Uh, yes, they were quite uh, good, weren't <clears> they? <throat> so they, uh, <laughs> um, so it's 335 million market cap. Um, enough. Yeah, it's, so it's electronic components. Um, so they're in power, connectivity, sensors. I mean, originally these guys were in automotive, moved on to aerospace. Um, but increasingly now automation, industrial automation, automation, things like robotics, etc. So they had uh, full year uh, revenues um, and they reported these. We've got to be careful of, you know, constant you know, currency at the moment because, you know, changes in exchange rates over the reporting periods. Uh, but at a constant, you know, like for like exchange rates, they saw their revenue up by 22 percent um to 617 million pounds uh something investors really focused on with this one uh will be its operating margins um and they saw operating profits up by 19 percent so most of sales translating into profit gain to 47 million and the operating margin is 7.3 percent up to 7.6 percent so it's kind of you know, in the tech space its components it's relatively low operating margin but for that you get a very low uh, P and valuation rating, but it is seeing its profits growing, uh, and that's an inflationary environment as well. So that's pretty pretty encouraging. Um, they've said now that you know good customer spread, top 40 OEM customers are 58% of their revenue. Uh, just any other highlights in there? Yeah, it's trading on. Yeah, here we go. Uh, P of 10.4 times, 4 to 9.3 times. But the main thing is, it does look like the business has got uh, decent momentum in the in the current environment. Yeah, I thought that looked all right. Yeah, and I mean the same day. We, uh, are you going to talk about dark trace interims? No, you've got Andrew. I'd be delighted if you do dark trace interims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's only because that was also uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I, I, what I would note on those is I, I, I checked the small print in the figures. It all sort of started off fine, 
Um, but then in the outlook, they did say the outlook for unadjusted, but there was an accounting treatment means that Dark Trace is lowering its full year 2023 guidance range for free cash flow uh, and, and lowered it, you know, not, not too much, but from 55% to 50 of adjusted EBITDA um, and uh, sorry, cash flow down by about that. So about 10% lower, so to speak. Um, so you just need to look in the small print of that. I hate it when companies do that. They sort of pretend everything's all right. And then the small print, they put a bit of a warning. So there you go. That was on the same day. Caught you out. I love that. Right. Yeah. Keep going. You'll go. You'll go next. We're whizzing right, through thank, today. All right. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, so this is this net call. Uh, NETC, certainly one we discussed before, uh, 159 million market cap. This is in our favorite area of customer service, uh, and that's robotic process auto <laughs> automation, chatbots, and the like. Um, so they uh, they obviously, you know, their software is used by many, many businesses, particularly contact centers, and, you know, as well as, uh, as, well as uh, websites. But as initial point of customer contact, shall we say. Um, so they've got two products, Liberty Commerce, which is uh, such customer engagement and automated speech bots, which you know, workforce and policy management, uh, Liberty Connect, and that is for cloud messaging and bot platform for customers to extend their reach using digital channels and web chat with all of these things, Facebook Messenger and Twitter. Anyway, suffice to say, uh, this business is doing very well. Um, and they have reported their interim numbers, and they saw their sales up by 19% to 17.5 million. Um, and within that, their cloud services revenue is up by 59%. So this is cloud hosting uh, to 7.9 million. Uh, contracted uh, contract value was up as well, 34%, all very encouraging. Um, but let's look at the bottom lines here. And the uh, profit before tax was up from 1.1 million to 2.4 million on sales of 17.5, and cash up 91% from 10.7 million to 20.4 million. Um, so that share, I mean, I think the prices, it's been, I don't know the um, share price in front of me, but I think this one's been doing pretty well. Uh, you will be paying for this though. Um, but can understandably so, I guess, given the cash generation and the margins, um, it's paid, that's EVNR four times this year, falling to 3.5 times this year, and a P33 falling to 27. So it isn't cheap, but it's got a very good uh, direction of travel for the business. No, you're absolutely right. It's, the price is about a pound at the moment, but it's run up since the beginning of um, 2020, so sort of three years ago from 20p, so it has been a lovely performer. As usual, you're telling us about stocks that have already performed, not ones that are going to perform. Oh, that's nausea of me. I do apologise, Phil. Um, that's outrageous. I've discussed this <laughs> no, come before. On. I've talked about that call before. <laughs> Actually, right. you have. In fairness, you have. Now, it wasn't all good news this week, though, was it? Which one do you want to go to? Well, there were a cup. Well, come on. Why don't we do the right. real shocker today, which I think was one disco. Hey, do you know what? I mean, I spent all last week reading articles about how bad the US market is, companies looking to list in the States. Of course, who was one of the ones that was mentioned the most? One disco. And now they've gone and completely. I mean, this is a real shocker, isn't it? It's a, it's a scale of this. Uh, I've got to be careful what we say, of course, because it's to do with fraud. Um, and there was, so it's one disco, the ticket is W A N D. 
uh, described itself as a data activation platform. I must admit, I don't know a lot about behind the tech, but nonetheless, uh, quote, following investigations undertaken by the CFO and the CEO, and as report, the board of directors uh, of the company, significant, sophisticated, and potentially fraudulent irregularities regard to receive purchase orders and related revenue bookings uh, by one of their senior sales employees have been discovered. Uh, carrying on, the board now expects that anticipated FY22 revenue could be as low as $9 million and not $24 million as previously reported. Cure, blimey. Well, I mean, it's a uh, shocker. That's a shocker, right? The other thing is to bear in mind that in the last 12 months, this stock has gone from 250p to 1,300. So there's been an almighty ramp up. And of course, it's now being suspended, so I can't even say how much it's collapsed by, but it clearly will collapse probably back if we ever get listed again, to 250 again. I mean, it's an absolute shocker and actually makes a bit of a, we've had, a, we've had actually funny, quite a lot of suspensions of companies in the last few weeks on AIM. AIM is not having a very good time at the moment. It must be feeling rather uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one really wasn't good at all. We've also uh, just, it's worth mentioning, I think we should, particularly should mention about how we feel about them. We've had a we have had a couple of bit of news in the battery market. We had an interim from AMTE, MT, whatever you want to call it, yesterday. And then quite an interesting announcement from Gellion today, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, hey, yeah, that, that was really interesting. This was to do with, so let me just, because I, I run this one off. So Gellion is a battery tech uh, company. The ticket is... Uh, G-E-L-N, um, and they are Anglo-Australian, and they're, yeah, zinc bromide battery cells that they develop. But what they've done is, this is really interesting, is that they've acquired uh, a patent portfolio. This is lithium sulfur, silicon anode patent portfolio, um, and it's from Johnson Matthey. And they're paying £4.25 million in cash. Um, and this portfolio includes 450 patents across 82 patent families, as well as development programs, etc. But you know, we you, you never know the value. We won't know the value of those patents per se. Um, but suffice to say, you know, there are a lot of them, um, and there are also further discussions of subset patents, 73 across 17 patent families related to silicon anodes. So, and, and that's, the, uh, you know, looking at paying 1.25 million for that, it's not all agreed that this is with a third party, but you're thinking, do you know, what a potentially clever approach in what they're doing here. Um, yeah, wow, that's very interesting. Well, you're probably more interested yeah. than me, I've got to say, you know, they're also playing around with the lithium sulfur batteries, which are oh. very difficult. I mean, I don't know if you remember Oxus, it was a private yes. company, but they burnt through, I think it was nearly like 50 million yeah. before they went bust. Yeah. Look, I'll tell you what, also, I, I think Gellion was floated at around about 160p, shot up to about 250, and this was only 18 months ago. They're now 42p. The cost of building a new battery is yeah. huge. You need a big balance sheet or a brilliant broker. And um, I just think some of these small startup battery companies are, are just going to struggle along. It's a really big boys game. Um, to, to win, you've got to have such a good product and a lot of capital. Um, yeah. Anyway, there we go. All right, Phil, you've got a few more minutes because we've got a two o'clock call with a client. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
All right, excellent. Right, um, let's, go, let's go, on, go back on a positive one. Uh, one spatial, and I have discussed this one before as well, Andrew, there. It's because uh, SPA, 56 million market cap, that's a trading update. Um, and they've got uh, what they describe as location master data management software solutions. But basically, it's software uh, that has tracked all the assets or all of assets that are stuck in the ground and where they are located. Um, and they you know, it's things like they'll use wooden survey, other mapping technology, bring it all together. But they can track where all the pipes are, the wire, the cables in the ground. Um, and they've got, you know, they've they said here clients include national mapping, land management agencies, utility companies, defence. Anyway, so it's all about mapping software and assets that are around. Uh, the revenue for the year expected to be no less than 29.8 million versus 27 million last year. Um, strong recurring revenues, increasing growth in the US, uh, adjusted EBITDA. Oh, here we are, profit before tax, uh, 0.9 million versus 0.2 million. So at least they are starting to increase um, their profits, growth in their SaaS, uh, and growth in the US business. So that looks okay. All right, I'll just finish up on a little one also that uh, was Ensilica. Uh, they just raised uh, about two and a half million pounds today, um, which isn't a huge amount of money. They're doing some really interesting stuff, aren't they, in the ASIC chip market? Um, and it's got sort of similarities to a lot of other businesses in this space that we've been involved in. A lot of it built off the back of Arm, in truth. And they have a relationship with Arm, um, and they often get taken over. Um, but it looks to me as though this is this is this is quite an interesting company. We're going to see them tomorrow, aren't we? Yes, um, we are. But I think it's worth marking the card that we may well, depending on how our meeting goes tomorrow, get very excited by this one. Absolutely, I think so. I do. It's very interesting. All right. Any final thing, Phil? Or can we call it a day? I think we should call it a day, Andrew, but delighted. being very nice to hear from you again, and uh, right. we'll chat soon. As usual, if anybody's got any complaints about what we say or want to make any comments or wants to discuss anything, then please just do let us know. We're here to help you, here to give you advice and interesting knowledge. Speak next week. Well,